Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thank you for listening to Depictions Media Radio. Welcome to Policy and Rights, the show about government policy and human rights. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome back to Policy and Rights here on Depictions Media Radio. And we have uh, the UN um, press briefing uh, f- uh, for July 21st, 2022. And first off, um, the Secretary General for the UN um, will t- is traveling to est- Istanbul um, this evening as part of his efforts to ensure full global access to Ukrainian food and Russian food and fertilizer. It's an ongoing effort um, to ensure that that these products actually move to where they need to be. Uh, There are countries in Africa that are going to or have been running short on supplies and they, they are very dependent on the food products and the Russian food and so food and fertilizer products. So he is trying to ensure a deal that that will actually get these products to move to where they need to be. Um, in Yemen, there's talk of uh, of a special envoy, Hans Gruberg, um, 
has intensified his engagement with parties to support implementation of elements of a truce and to explore possibilities to expand and extend a truce beyond August 2nd. In Lebanon, uh, the UN Special uh, Coordinator for uh, Lebanon briefed the Security Council in person in a closed consultation. Um, a new report from the uh, UNICEF warns that although Lebanon it has managed to stave off total collapse of water and of its water infrastructure and water supply systems remain on the brink of putting health of millions of people, particularly children, at risk. Sri Lanka. Uh, the UN team led by resident coordinator um, is responding to the needs of millions of people impacted on the ongoing economic crisis. Um, and there is also uh, a statement um, today in the hybrid third of the global conference on strengthening synergies between Paris Agreement and on climate change and the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development wrapped up in Tokyo. Uh, more than 2,000 participants considered a wide range of potential win-win solutions. So why don't we um, move forward and let's listen to what uh, was actually said in the, in the press briefing and the questions that were asked. We'll travel to Istanbul, Turkey, this evening as part of his efforts to ensure full global access to Ukraine's food products and Russian food and fertilizer. The Special Envoy for Yemen, Hans Grunberg, has intensified his engagements with the parties to support the implementation of all elements of the truce and to explore possibilities for an expanded and extended truce beyond the 2nd of August. He said that an extended and expanded truce will increase the benefits to the Yemeni people. It will also provide a platform to build more confidence between the parties and start serious discussions on economic priorities, particularly on revenues and salaries, as well as security priorities, including a ceasefire. Ultimately, he added the aim is to move towards a political settlement that comprehensively ends the conflict. He said that the truce has largely held for almost four months, marking the longest period of relative calm in more than seven years and a significant decrease in the number of civilian casualties. Both sides have nevertheless raised concerns about alleged violations and incidents across multiple front lines. There are more details in a press release. Joanna Vernetska, the UN Special Coordinator for Lebanon, briefed the Security Council in person this morning in close consultations on the Secretary General's latest report on that country. Meanwhile, a new report from UNICEF warns that although Lebanon has managed to stave off a total collapse of its water infrastructure, water supply systems remain on the brink, putting the health of millions of people, particularly children, at risk. 
In the report, UNICEF says that prospects for a solution will remain bleak while the power crisis continues, as electricity shortages make it impossible to pump sufficient water and in some cases cause pumping operations to shut down completely. In Sri Lanka, our UN team, led by resident coordinator Hana Singer Hamdi, is responding to the needs of millions of people impacted by the ongoing economic crisis. Ms. Singer Hamdi also acknowledged the constitutional transfer of power to a new president. She called on all stakeholders to engage in broad and inclusive consultations to resolve the current economic crisis and the grievances of the people. She noted that a peaceful and stable Sri Lanka will require dialogue, full respect for democracy, human rights, and the rule of law, including respect for freedom of assembly and expression. The situation in the country continues to deteriorate, with over 70% of households either losing their source of income or having their income reduced. In June, food inflation stood at 80%. The Humanitarian Needs and Priorities Plan launched in June has reached 57,400 people, or 3.4% of the targeted 1.7 million people. However, fuel shortages in Sri Lanka are a major operational constraint for the humanitarian response. Also, an estimated 960,000 people are in need of protection services. To meet the sexual and reproductive health needs of women and girls, the United Nations Population Fund distributed 1,500 dignity and maternity kits to to bridge the gap in commodities that are currently out of stock and to ensure continued protection of survivors of gender-based violence. Turning to Papua New Guinea, the UN there condemned the recent escalation of violence across the Highlands region during the current election period. They're also calling for a swift investigation into alleged crimes. The acting resident coordinator, Dirk Wagner, expressed his deep concern over allegations of brutal killing of dozens of civilians, as well as reports of sexual violence against women and the displacement of thousands of people, mostly women and children. The violence has resulted in damage to schools and medical facilities. Businesses and markets are temporarily closed. Roads have also been deliberately cut off through the digging of trenches and the destruction of bridges. This has resulted in disruptions in the delivery of goods and services to impacted communities, which are now experiencing shortages of food, fuel, medicines, and other critical supplies. Mr. Wagner called for an immediate cessation of violence in the highlands and for humanitarian assistance to be delivered to affected communities. We and our partners stand ready to respond to any call for assistance if requested by the government. Today, the hybrid third global conference on strengthening synergies between the Paris Agreement on Climate Change and the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development wrapped up in Tokyo. More than 2,000 participants considered a wide range of potential win-win solutions to tackle both the climate emergency and reversals in achieving the Sustainable Development Goals. In a message, the Deputy Secretary General, Amina Mohammed, said that we must turn the perfect storm of interlinked global crises into an opportunity to transform our systems. She stressed that we must come together to rescue the Sustainable Development Goals and the Paris Goals before it is too late. The conference was co-convened by the UN Department of Economic and Social Affairs and the UN Framework Convention on Climate Change. It was hosted by Japan's Ministry of the Environment. And last, the World Food Program announced today that it has partnered with global corporations such as Renault and Toyota to build a transport training center in Accra, Ghana. Construction on the first of its kind, the training center is scheduled to begin later this year. Once ready, WFP says it will inject new expertise into local transport markets and will equip them to deliver life-saving goods like food and medicine more efficiently throughout the region. Training will be provided in best practices on road transport, fleet management, 
and the safe transport of temperature-sensitive commodities. Trainees will include staff from humanitarian organizations, governments, and the local private sector. And now we'll turn to questions. Yes, Edie. Uh, thank you, Farhan. Does your announcement that the Secretary General will be going to Istanbul mean that there is an agreement that he's going to sign, or are there uh, further negotiations needed? Well, the situation remains a little bit fluid, so I can't really say when something will be signed. Uh, as you're aware, the Secretary General spoke to you last week, and at that point, uh, he, he said that uh, we had taken a critical step forward to ensuring the safe and secure export of Ukrainian food products through the Black Sea. He said at that point that work remains to be done, and I can't, and I can't honestly say at this point that, uh, that, uh, that all the work has ended. But as you can see from the fact that he's traveling to Istanbul, we're, we're moving ahead with this. Uh, and, uh, and I'd again like to remind you that, that uh, as he pointed out at, at that time last Wednesday, we're, we've been working around the clock with intense behind-the-scene talks with countless moving parts. The Secretary General, as you know, has himself, even while he's been on leave, been part of that. And he's been in constant uh, phone contact with different, uh, with different uh, uh, leaders on this uh, Just one, se one other follow-up. Is he going to be flying from Lisbon? Uh, no, he, was, he wasn't in Lisbon. He, he was on vacation uh, elsewhere in the region. He wasn't far from uh, uh, Turkey, but right now uh, he, he'll be in Turkey uh, later today. Yes, James. Um, sorry, just for the benefit of people who are not in this room, the audio was not working for the initial announcement. So could you just read the words that you read back into the record, please? Uh, I will do so gladly. Uh, the Secretary General, Antonio Guterres, will travel to Istanbul, Turkey, this evening as part of his efforts to ensure full global access to Ukraine's food products and Russian food and fertilizer. My follow-up question. So you're not saying yet whether it's a done deal or just a signing. You say things remain fluid. Just remind us how important this is and what is at stake with regard to this deal. What we're trying to do is have an agreement that would allow for uh, Ukrainian and Russian uh, a food and fertilizer to reach global markets. As you know, we've pointed out uh, for many months how serious the, the food crisis around the world is, and this is a component, a large component of that, uh, that crisis. So if we can resolve this, we can potentially uh, save uh, uh, hundreds of thousands, potentially millions of people from having food be priced out of their reach. Uh, so that is part of that, if there's an agreement. But uh, as the Secretary General pointed out, uh, the aim for all the parties in these discussions, not just an agreement between the Russian Federation and Ukraine, but an agreement for the world. And, and, uh, and he, as the Secretary General has pointed out, he has uh, had two different uh, key UN officials, Martin Griffiths and Rebecca Greenspan, uh, involved in different tracks uh, in terms of dealing with issues around uh, these topics. Um, and and, and to, to quote directly from what he said uh, last week, uh, people are still dying, fighting is still raging, but the hopeful news from Istanbul shows the importance of dialogue. And he said, let us take inspiration from that ray of hope to help light a way to a desperately needed negotiated solution for peace in line with the UN Charter and international law. 
One other quick follow-up, if I may. Um, it's estimated, certainly, the Ukrainian grain is, I think, stored there 22 million tons, which is a huge amount. Um, even if you get this deal, and, you know, the Secretary-General will work hard to do that, and you say it's still fluid, but even if you get the deal, how long is it going to take to clear this backlog and get things to a normal level? Well, clearly it will take a certain amount of time, but but we're involved in arrangements with the various parties to to get uh, uh, things moving as quickly as possible. The, the good thing about the idea that there's a backlog is that there is food there. It's ready to move once we can do it. Obviously, it can't all move all at once, but uh, we hope also to be able to provide you with information if a deal is concluded about how the components of that deal works. So we're trying to get, uh, among other things, background briefings and fact sheets once we can actually provide that. Uh, Pam? Uh, thank you, Farhan. Uh, more follow-up on this deal. Um, would the deal be signed, as far as you understand, by four parties, the, including the UN and Turkey, or just you, Russia and Ukraine? And, well, go ahead. Well, since nothing has been reached yet, I'm not going to give any details at this moment. I, I can't really say that there is a deal. I can say that the Secretary General is traveling. That is happening. What happens next? Uh, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. We're hopeful, but uh, we'll have to see what happens. And the follow-up is um, the U.S. is not a party to this, but one of the requirements of Russia was that some of the sanctions be lifted. Um, have there been negotiations with the U.S. or with the European Union on the sanctions related, uh, not on Russian grain, um, but sanctions related to the export of Russian grain be lifted? Well, what I want to be clear about is that these discussions are not about sanctions relief. Uh, uh, they concern things that are, you know, including foodstuffs that are not subjected to sanctions. Right. So what this is about is the facilitation of trade. Uh, there, there are items that have not been subjected to sanctions, and what we're trying to do is find the best ways to get them moving and get them moving safely. Thank you. Uh, Michelle. Thanks, Farhan. Um, I know you've just said you can't give us any details of what is in this deal that is being negotiated, um, but can you give us any indication of whether there's like one major hurdle remaining, several little hurdles remaining, any, anything like that? I think the most I can say is that we're not quite there yet. Uh, I, I don't want, from where we're standing, uh, to make things more difficult uh, to the work of our, of our negotiators over there. So I, I won't go beyond that. And is the Secretary General expecting leaders from Russia, Ukraine and Turkey to be in Istanbul once this is agreed? Uh, well, I don't think it's our, uh, our particular business to say who the other participants will be. Uh, I, I believe that there will be other participants in Istanbul, but from our side, yes, the Secretary General will be there. Uh, Linda, then, and then Ibtisam. Thank you, Farhan. You mentioned uh, we kind of know how much grain uh, there is in Ukraine that's uh, wanting, you know, that there's interest in having it exported. But on the other side, uh, in terms of Russia's food and fertilizer, is there a sense of maybe what the Secretary General is looking for in terms of a percentage of that food and fertilizer? In other words, 
words for, with this deal is the sense that, you know, full-on all food and fertilizers will have the right to be exported or just a portion? I, I think that's a technical detail that we'll have to uh, uh, set to the side for the time being while uh, while we're continuing with the discussions. But we're trying to get as much food and fertilizer out as as can possibly be uh, uh, handled. Uh, Ibtisam. Uh, just uh, a quick follow-up first. Um, so you, you announced his trip to Turkey, but you didn't announce uh, who is he going to meet. Uh, yes, that is correct. Okay. I did not. So who's he? <laughs> well, usually you are supposed to. Once you announce the t- trip, you usually announce also. I I fully expect that by tomorrow at this time I will have more details for you. Okay, and then my. I'm 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 hoping uh, I'm hoping I can say something more considerable between now and then. But but we're 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 close, but not quite there. Okay, so my question is actually about the Yemen and the press release you talked about. That's the first part of my question. Regarding the implementation and the, uh, of the truce and the prospect of its renewal, um, so first, does the SG has a serious concern that the truces will not be renewed? How to understand this um, press release, given the fact that it didn't actually have any uh, news uh, on it? And the, 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 w- yeah, well, I think. Uh, if you look at the full press release from Mr. Grinberg, yes. th- there's some news in terms of uh, essentially an update of each of the categories of things that we've been trying to achieve, including road openings, uh, travel at airports, and, and other achievements. So some things have moved uh, more rapidly, other things less, but, uh, but we've been moving forward. The important thing is throughout, you've had a truce that's held, you've had a dramatic decrease in violence, this is the most relief that the people of Yemen have had since this conflict started. And, uh, and it's a huge relief for families across the country. So that is why we're pushing for a more extensive uh, uh, extension of the truce. I, I, I think we are moderately optimistic that we'll get an extension, but we're trying to see how much time we can get, and we want as much time as possible. I have another question also about Yemen, but a different subject. The, uh, there was a study, uh, the Institute of Development Studies published today, a study about uh, UNAID in Yemen. I don't know if you saw it, but um, uh, so please bear with me because I have some quotes a little bit uh, longer. Uh, the study uh, says that UN human operation from 2015 to 2021 has saved lives, improved food security, and reduced uh, malnutrition, but overall it is critical of aid uh, that was of unacceptably poor quality. They talk about half-finished roads and badly built schools, uh, IDBs without camps without uh, uh, with no toilets. Uh, the reports also criticize the what they call the bunkerization of the UN staff remaining in their offices due to what was uh, assessed as excessive security uh, measures, uh, etc. And they didn't uh, visit uh, communities uh, to oversee aid quality. And it's not only during COVID, but uh, in other periods. The last part, um, I will quote that the the, the study also say that conclude due to the short-term planning and budget of the UN humanitarian emergencies responses, poor oversight and poor coordination between UN agencies 
the uh, unprecedented funding spent since 2015 kept Yemen on life support but has failed to make substantial improvement for lives in order uh, of ordinary Yemenis. Do you have any comments? Uh, yes. Um, first off, uh, you're correct that uh, the report had uh, both uh, some bits of credit and, and some substantial bits of criticism of our work in Yemen. On the one hand, the report confirmed that our humanitarian response in Yemen has contributed to saving lives, reducing suffering, and preserving basic services. It recognized the impressive, unprecedented scale-up that occurred after 2015 and the enormous challenges of working in Yemen. At the same time, the report also identified a number of serious shortcomings, including response quality, data problems, inadequate field presence, and an insufficient focus on protection. So we're dedicated to working with our partners to resolving these issues and strengthening our response, and we appreciate uh, the recent high-level uh, discussions on addressing access and resource challenges in, in the Yemen response. For now, uh, what our humanitarian country team in Yemen is doing is that they're currently reviewing the findings of this report now in detail. They will develop an implementation plan based on the findings and work is already underway on several of the issues identified in the report, and we look forward to accelerating this process. And it's essential that we all work together to support uh, the people of Yemen in their time of need. So we'll continue both reviewing this report and following up on it. Okay, I have a follow-up on that, on what you read. Why it takes uh, more than seven years, uh, a lot of uh, money that was put in there, and an external report... To, that you come to a conclusion where if you, when one talks with the UN staff on the ground, they were raising similar issues, but is there a, a, a gap between people who work on the ground, see the problems, and between the management at the UN here in New York or other places that you're not listening to what your people, were, what your staff sometimes on the ground would say? Well, you have to first of all remember the a huge amount of need uh, among people in Yemen. Uh, the The caseload we've had in Yemen is one of our largest. It's it's uh, almost unimaginable how many millions of people year after year have needed UN assistance. And so, a lot of our humanitarian operations were devoted to making sure that uh, that we could deal with those immense needs uh, in in real time. At the same time, you're correct that. We were aware of deficiencies, which is why it's important to have this sort of independent review, analyze what the flaws are, what, what the problems were in our response. So now we can set about improving those flaws and, and, and actually having a more efficient and more effective response. Uh, that's what our end goal is. And this is part of that process of, of improving what we do. Uh, Carrie Newton, uh, online, you have a question. Thanks, Farhan. I know you were, I have a question about Mali. I know you at the UN were investigating about the origin of the 49 uh, Ivorian soldiers who've been arrested uh, nearly two weeks ago in Bamako. Do you have uh, a bit more information by now? Do you know if they are NSE from another contingent? Are they still not appearing There is the NSE uh, panel, etc.? Uh, I don't have anything uh, to add to what we've said about that situation. We are continuing to look into the matter, but there's there's no new details to share just yet. Uh, Maggie okay, Bashir. Maggie, are you there? 
If not, uh, Edie? Um, thank you, Farhan. Um, will the Secretary General be attending a meeting uh, tomorrow, that's Friday, with uh, Turkish, Ukrainian, and Russian representatives and possibly their leaders? Uh, it is possible, but I do not have a confirmation at this point. We'll try to get more details whenever we can. Yes. Uh, uh, J uh, J sorry, Dulcie first and then James. Yeah, is Martin Griffiths going to be in Istanbul as well uh, with the Secretary General? Yes, and yes, he will be. Rebecca Greenspan. Uh, yes, I believe uh, I believe Mr. Griffiths and Ms. Greenspan will be there. Yes. Uh, one month and one week before the High Commissioner for Human Rights steps down. Um, do you have any update on the Secretary General's um, plans um, or who he's going to appoint? Um, and does he um, plan to consult human rights activists and civil society? There's a precedent for this. Ban Ki-moon did it in the past. Um, the search is ongoing right now. I believe uh, 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 the names of candidates are being submitted. I, I don't have anything to share at this stage, uh, but certainly the Secretary General will consult widely as, uh, as he uh, prepares uh, to uh, find replacement uh, for Michelle Bachelet. So what does consult widely? He'll be inviting major human rights groups in to, the, to see him to discuss this, yes? I, 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 th I think he will consult with a, a range of people, not just governments, but a range of groups. Okay. And do you, um, does the Secretary General believe that unfinished business of, of um, Commissioner Bachelet should be dealt with before she leaves, uh, particularly the Xinjiang report, which has been, it seems, buried? Should that not be published now before she leaves office? Well, that, that decision, uh, as you know, remains in the hands of Michelle Bachelet. She continues to be on the job, and we will uh, leave it to her to decide uh, what the course of action should be. And has she explained why? We don't, haven't had a fresh explanation. It couldn't be published before her visit to China. She's visited China. What is the, re what is the current excuse? Uh, I... I can't speak for um, um, Ms. Bachelet. She does have her own uh, spokespeople on this. But uh, sh she's been very clear about her intentions to publish this report, and we uh, will await uh, her decision. Okay, um, Maggie, I believe you are now clear to speak. Uh, uh, please, un unmute and speak. Sorry, hi. Sorry, I had to get back to that page on the screen. Um, you, uh, you answered about um, Griffiths and Greenspan, but could you just tell us, I mean, he's going to Turkey, so can you at least just tell us if he's meeting with Erdogan? Uh, I, I can't I can at this stage. We'll try to get a full list of people with whom he meets. Uh, as you know, when he, when he comes to a, a country, he tends to meet with their, their most uh, senior officials, but beyond that, I have nothing to confirm at this point. Yes, please. Thank you. A short one. Um, are you going to announce the arrival of the Secretary General in Istanbul? Uh, yes, he will. He will be getting there this uh, today. I, I, I said at the start of the briefing. I, I, I know oh, that some audio. Sorry, cut he's out, already uh, here. Hmm? I, he's already in Turkey. No, uh, I'm no, sorry. I, I, I believe he's traveling. I, I can't confirm he's there yet, but he will be there today. And will will you announce the arrival already? Uh, the specific time of arrival? Uh, no, no. But uh, but after he arrived, uh, you know, 
put it this way, I believe it is now 7.30 in the evening in Turkey. It will, it will be sometime in the coming hours. Okay, thanks. And with that, I would uh, like to bring up to the floor Paulina Kubiak, the spokesperson for the President of the General Assembly. Thank you. Yeah. About the Unger arrangements, there was a letter published, and it was a secretariat letter, I think. So it's only fair that we don't ask Paulina about that. Uh, well, uh, uh, a letter, a letter published giving details of the Unger arrangements for the for, for the high-level week. Um, which was a secretariat decision, as I understand it, and no side, no major side events. Wear masks, take precautions, but basically a normal hunger. Can we please press you because we're not getting answers on the media arrangements? We all have yeah. budgets, we have staff. It's too late already, and I don't know who's listening to yeah. this who makes these decisions, but it's too late already. We need to know, and we need permission for Greenpeace to come, and we need permissions to operate as normal as it's now a normal unger in the Rose Garden. We need to be oper operate on a full unger basis, and we need someone to talk to us about it because no one is engaging with us, and it's already too late for our planning. We need this now. Yeah. What we'll try to do, as you know, is uh, have the normal meeting with the press with uh, with our media accreditation colleagues and our security colleagues, so that you. Yeah, but that's have about that. four days before. We need something now. We need to know what the plans are now. We really do, because we, you know, it's all very well. You're letting missions make all their plans. You're not telling the media, and we have to plan. So, yeah. just to James' point, the letter specifies how many people missions can bring in. How many people can we bring in? Yeah. No, we'll try to it's, get that. It's just uh, we'll try to get that like cleared that. with Malu and with security. So, so we'll be in touch with them, and we'll try to have them get back to you. This show has been produced by Depictions Media. Please contact us at depictions.media for more information.